1: Hi, everybody. This is Phil Town.
0: And this is Danielle Town.
1: And welcome to the Invested Podcast, where we're talking about how to be a real investor, not a speculator in the markets, which is, uh, by definition, what almost all of you are doing, (laughs) in my humble opinion. (laughs) You're investing in mutual funds and indexes, and basically you're speculating that somebody else knows more than somebody else, I guess, and hoping the market will go up, and just hoping the market will go up and that's just by definition speculation. What we want to do as an investor is we want to buy things when we know their value and we're buying them on sale. That's actually investing. So you're probably better at investing going to a garage sale than you are with your 401k. I would I would I would strongly suggest.
0: You mean just sort of like naturally if you're somebody who's never looked into investing or Yeah, you, you know, it, listen to well, our Well, if you're doing what everybody tells podcasts. you to do,
1: if you're doing what everybody tells you to do, you're you're putting your money into indexes in 401k yeah. in your 401k, and and I promise you, you go down to a garage sale and you see something on, that you know about and you know what it's worth, and you know it's super cheap, and you buy that. That is investing. You could turn around and sell it on eBay for more money than you did, uh, than you just paid for it. And there are people who actually do that. That's because investing. you have
0: because you have a strong. I want to say strong certainty. I think it's actually impossible to quantify, to, uh, what do you call that when you adjust something that's a certainty?
1: I have no idea.
0: What am I trying to say? Qualify. You can't qualify a certainty, but a strong, um, opinion that something is going to be worth more than what it is you paid for it.
1: I like, I like certainty. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, Buffett uses certainty. Does he? Yeah. He's definitely used the word certainty. I just don't
0: certainty. see how anybody investing... I mean, I understand investing. Yes, we've talked a lot about that. But I don't see how anybody can say that there's a certainty. Because you can't well, predict what's going to happen with other people. It, you okay, can so be let's, certain let's that at, you are correct. But that doesn't mean that the market price is going to go to what is correct.
1: Okay, look, at, though... you. you, you you know, is the sun going to come up tomorrow? How certain are you that it will? I'm certain. Yeah, you're very certain. But yep. does it have to? No. No. We could get hit by an asteroid and it would be no sun tomorrow. Correct. Right? So there is no such thing as infinite certainty, you know, the, the certainty of God or something. There, We don't have that capability, right? We don't, even if the sun comes up for everybody tomorrow, it might not come up for me, Right.
0: The sun would come up for everybody, but not for you.
1: I would be dead. Oh, you would be dead. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. So, so I mean, it would we still have... come
0: up. You just wouldn't see it.
1: Right. So what we're shooting for is human level of certainty. And when it comes to businesses, you're 100% right. There's no perfect certainty. Uh, things can happen. But yeah, I'm, I'm not sure I compare it darn to the sun certain... coming up. Yeah, but I, I'm pretty certain Southwest Airlines will be around in 10 years. I'm pretty certain Delta will be around in 10 years. and yeah, I have a high degree of certainty about that. Walmart, okay. I'd say very, very high degree of certainty. Amazon will be around in 10 years. I mean, there's not perfect certainty, but right. there's some things that are a lot more certain than others. That's for sure. So
0: let's go with a very high probability.
1: Okay, very high probability, high level of comfort to the point that, and this is the key thing, to the point that, you'd be willing to put almost all of your retirement money into that company.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: To that level. That of is comfort.
0: a very high level of certainty. Yeah.
1: That's where you got to be. You. I mean That's where you got to be.
0: Yeah. That And then yeah, we're going to diversify off of that a little fortitude. bit.
1: We'll we'll diversify off that a little bit, but not not stupidly. Stupid diversification is what everybody teaches you to do. Stupid diversification is over diversification, and and they they're telling you to do it for all the right reasons because they're afraid you're going to lose your money if you go out and do what I'm telling you to
0: do, yeah.
1: right? It's... I mean, they're, the the world is full of of people, academics and professional investors who truly believe that you can't beat the market, that it's a rare rare investor who can beat the market, um, which is the the hypothesis of modern portfolio theory that says it, literally you can't beat the market that that the only people who do are lucky. But there's now a greater and greater number of people who are investing in a certain kind of way, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: which has predictably beaten the market now for 80 years through world wars and depressions and everything. And these investors are all doing it in exactly the same, uh, not exactly, but in almost the same kind of way, which is by and large to follow what Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger have practiced for 60 years. And that is, incredibly careful, patient investing, sitting on the sidelines for absurdly long periods of time relative to what professional investors are are capable of doing, and then pulling the trigger really aggressively when you get the opportunity to buy something wonderful that's on sale. That is so hard for other professionals to practice. I can almost assure you that with a few exceptions out there, no one does because pension fund money is what most of these Professionals are are uh, are investing for funds like, you know, Cal Calpers, and by the way, Calper. I just read that Calpers is the largest investor investor in the in the country. Three hundred and eighty six billion dollars under management now. Wow, a single manager has total has has total responsibility for this amount of money. And he has to hand it out to all these sub managers, yeah. who then hand it out to more sub managers. Yeah. And there are these layers of professionals who are extremely impatient with making sure that they're protecting those those retirement funds for teachers. and And they're not going to hang around for two years while you know, born, you know, some Warren Buffett wannabe sits there in cash. And just they're just not going to do it.
0: It's a and really so, interesting incentive structure. And we just, I mean, we yeah. just recorded our interview with Jacob Taylor, who's coming on in two weeks. And you guys, when you listen to it, you'll you will see we talk to him about this a lot because he's a fund manager and deals with this situation. And it's something that I think really affects the market itself. Like the market overall is affected by these internal incentives that people m- choosing where they put this money um, are dealing with in their own lives. So it's something to be cognizant of. I don't think it's really going to change. I mean, we can talk about it. Hopefully, like it does change a bit as we talk about it more and people become more aware of these perverse incentives out there. But I don't think it's really going to change that much. But I think as individual investors, being aware of those incentives of people making choices based not necessarily on the greatness of the underlying company is really important for me to know like what's going on when people are coming in and coming out of um of certain companies buying and selling certain companies
1: well modern portfolio has a modern portfolio theory has a really perverse result and that is that that comes from the theory saying that everything is priced correctly all the time And the result of this is kind of a complacency among 95, 90, maybe 99% of people who manage money is a certain kind of complacency that says that, well, we're going to do the best we can to beat the market, but we recognize that we probably won't. Therefore, we'll just buy a lot of stuff. And they spend all their time trying to buy better stuff than the other guys and buy 200 of those better stuffs, which means, I mean, come on, the... The S&P 500 is only 500 stocks. If you go out and buy 200 stocks, you are the market. You're not going to beat the market. right? And so these guys take great pride in in beating the market by half a point. Or, yeah, you know, which is
0: exactly what Charlie Munker was talking about in the Daily Journal meeting. He said exactly that. There's By the time you've bought more than, I mean, he didn't give a number, but, you know, more than like a few companies, you have just become the market. You are diversified as much as the market and to even have the idea that you would be able to beat it at that point is just kind of a logical fallacy. Which,
1: yeah. And listen you guys, I mean, to be clear, to be clear, most people should do exactly what Buffett and Munger tell them to do, which is to go get an index and just go, go through the motions of investing and put your money into the market. And in the long run, if you start early enough and you're, you're, you leave your money in there. And if you put away 10% of your income, before you pay taxes, before you pay anything else, you just go with that discipline, you will have more money than you can imagine by the time you retire. So this podcast is not for you guys who are are able to do that. I disagree
0: with that. I disagree. Yeah, I do. Because I think that even making that choice to put your money in an index is a conscious investing choice. And to understand what you've done with your money, to understand where your money is, is so... It just necessary for when there's a downturn in the market overall, in that index, because otherwise you're going to be panicking, of course. I mean, I remember when the dot com bo- uh, boom and then the bust happened, my grandma, my mom's mom, had all this money in the market and she completely panicked and told her guy to take all her money out. And she lost like half of her money and it was extremely serious.
1: Oh, and she never put it back either.
0: I don't think she did. Yeah, because she I was recall. so no, she never afraid of going through that right. experience again. And she just, bottom line, didn't understand what she had invested in. So... I mean, if there's anything I've learned from this process, because what I said to you in the very beginning was, why can't I just copy somebody else? Like if people are making money from copying Warren Buffett, why can't I just copy Warren Buffett and stop this whole thing? And why do I have to make my own choices? And you said a wonderful answer, which was, you can do that, but you won't understand what you're doing. And so you won't know what to do if he takes his money out of a certain company, or if you get that information too late, and you won't know it's too late. And if something goes on in like, you know, the world as a whole, you won't understand what's happening. Like for me to be able to make an informed decision to even like hand my money over to somebody else and have them do it for me, I have to know some basic level of investing information. And that's what we're learning here. I mean, whether or not you spend the time deciding on individual companies yourself, I think having that, that level of just understanding about what's going on in the market and the concept of investing in companies and the concept of investing in indexes of companies and what that means. And that investing in an index in the U.S. market means that you're investing in the U.S. generally. And, and just all of those bits of information are, are vital. So I think it's very important.
1: Well, okay, I'll stand corrected and say, all right, the podcast is valuable for all of you out there who are never going to invest in a a private stock because you're not willing to put the effort and the energy into it. Still, perhaps there are elements of this podcast that would be useful to you.
0: And I have an addition. Oh, go ahead.
1: Well, I was just going to say, let me just shake your confidence (laughs) in investing in the index right now. OK, by telling you that um, for seven out of the last seven recessions, which covers 50 or 60 years of the last history, a certain indicator has indicated with perfection that a recession is on the way. And the perfection is uh, obviously a range of time. It's not predicting the moment it happens that it's that the recession's on the way, but that within the next, you know, on average, about a year or so. Um, the recession will happen. And when that happens, the stock market's going to go down like a brick. And when that happens, what you have in your retirement account is going to disappear by anywhere from 30 to 50%. Hmm. And then if you don't know what's going on in the market and you don't have a l- good long-term sense of what what you're doing in that index, then it's time for you to do it, Daniel's great-grandmother did, which is panic and exit and exit probably at the bottom and lose everything that you've worked so hard for in the last five or six years. And that will suck. So let's, let's try to, let's try to educate you a little bit about some of this. Okay.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. So I've got some help. Can I talk about it now? Okay. So I, after finishing our book, Invested, didn't really know what to do with myself. I knew I wanted to do investing and I knew I loved writing about investing, but I didn't really know what I was going to do. And we just pushed the book out and that was a huge effort. And then I missed writing about investing. So I have decided that I'm going to start a newsletter about my investing practice. So this is going to be, I've started it already. It's an email where you guys would get, if you're, if you subscribe a description of my practice and everything around that. So all the stuff like my investing office that I put together, how I find time in the day, the stuff I'm looking at, the mistakes I make, like the ups and downs emotionally of investing practice and me like, you know, I spend a lot of time wandering around. So I write about like what I'm wandering through and articles and, um, and the results of that. So I started this a few weeks ago. It's been super fun. I haven't really talked about it publicly yet, but now I'm announcing it here on the podcast that the invested practice is out. You can find it at danieltowncom slash newsletter. And I'm just, I'm thrilled to get it going. It's not, it's not like a serious investing newsletter. It doesn't involve numbers. It doesn't involve valuations or pricing. It's about the practice of investing and how to fit it into a real life.
1: And I am so excited you yeah. did it. This is really it's great. It's cool. It's my I'm first really, thing really, on really my really own. Excited you Thanks, did this. Dad. Yeah, and I, you know, gosh, when the when the book came out, and as the book was coming out, I was, you know, I was hoping that you would continue writing, and because I just think you're such a phenomenal you're writer. So you write from, you know, you like you write like you talk, and you write like a real person <laughs> um, who's thinking through things. And I was really, really hoping you would you'd take advantage of the fact that the book did so well and and so many people kind of fell into your orbit for a little while. And, um, man, it's great. I mean, I, I have read your first efforts on it, and they're fascinating. I mean, I love reading I know, them. you're so sweet. So, you text me like,
0: oh, I learned something from your newsletter. <laughs>
1: I totally learned something <laughs> every time I read the the newsletter which is fantastic, nice. right? Yeah. So uh, congratulations. It's really fun I'm, and I I'm I realized, really, realized really how much I you, missed
0: huh? writing about investing, which actually was a surprise to me. I didn't really think I would miss that because I was pretty tired after the book was done. But there's something about the discipline of writing it down as I do it which is really good for me and and to put that out there and have it be useful to other people just feels really joyful. So
1: and there's, there's something, too, about your voice. You have a unique voice in the industry because everybody in the industry is a profound expert in, or a self-professed expert, one or the other, and 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 rightfully so, right? They're, why would you listen to somebody that's not an expert? Except there's this phenomenal number of people who would like to listen to somebody who's figuring things out from where they're sitting, right? I mean, it's one thing... For somebody who's a great mountain climber to describe the view from the top of Mount Everest to you, expecting somehow that's going to help you get to the top. When it's not, what you really need is somebody describing the view right there in front of your feet and where do you take the next step. And I think that's where you have come into the market in a unique voice. And I don't know anyone else who's doing that. I don't either. Really excited that a lot of people get a lot of benefit from, from listening to you figure things out. Yeah, thanks.
0: Exactly. From,
1: from reading. It's me figuring things
0: out. Like one I wrote, and by the way, you guys, there's a whole archive. So, Every single newsletter, once you subscribe, you can read at your leisure whenever you want. Um, so, and you'll get all the back issues if you're a new subscriber so uh, a, an issue I wrote a few times ago was um was about this big mistake that I made. I like jumped the gun and got way too excited about this company that I thought Jeff Bezos was involved in, and like totally went down a rabbit hole of wrongness because I was too emotionally excited. And I just wrote it all up because I was like, this is this is like exactly to me what investing practice is about. It's about making mistakes like this. It was cheap. I didn't put any money into it. It didn't take me too much time before I figured out that I had completely gone the wrong side up. But I learned from that that I needed to change the way I read annual reports. So that was a huge, wonderful mistake that turned into a great lesson, and uh, and I think it's it's very useful if you can learn from other people's mistakes; they're even cheaper, so you can learn from my mistakes.
1: <laughs> I mean, there's there's something really wonderful in what uh, what you're what you're working on here, that I think you're going to be working on for a lifetime, because I think there's so many people that need this kind of help, and I think many of them are women. I think. Uh, I think men are more aggressive about going after this this kind of education than women are for whatever reason. And um, I think the irony here is that by the time many women are my age, they're starting to be in control of yeah. a lot of money. Um, their husbands have passed away or no longer really feel competent to mm-hmm. manage the money. And here's this fully competent partner of theirs who is afraid to do it because she's never gotten the education she needs to really handle the job. And that's really an irony. By the time w- women are in their 80s, I mean, they they control a lifetime of capital, uh, many of them. And so, and and as a result, the, the financial industry, I'll tell you frankly, preys on
0: those totally. women. Yeah. Oh, but I mean, completely. I've been in I that mean, room with a financial advisor who was telling me X, Y, and Z, and I didn't know what, this was before we started doing our investing thing, and i didn't know what x y and z were and i was like you know a supposedly intelligent lawyer and i was too embarrassed to ask what they were because i felt like i should know and i didn't want him to think i was dumb so because of that i right. didn't ask to this day no clue what he was talking about and i i mean i just it's the same situation for so many people and you're right especially women who are handling the money in the family or um, or, or or just deciding to step into it for the first time, it, it's like a really intimidating process. And
1: and I've seen I've seen both sides of it, and this isn't limited by any no, means to just one gender. Okay, but let me just say that that it's it, it, you, there's some there's some there's another side to the, what people do. This is more like what guys do, but I've seen women do it too. They don't know what they're doing. And some smooth talking salesman type gets a hold of them as a financial advisor or for a project that requires a lot of capital and they think it's gonna make them a ton of money. And I watched a woman take her, gosh, I think it was twelve million dollars and put it into a complete crap. Oh my god. Oh my gosh, it was just 12 million bucks. She lent it, thinking that the loan was more secure than taking an ownership position of this company, which it was. not. Please tell me she
0: had 200 million. All of it. And the 12 was a small fraction of her (laughs) savings.
1: Yeah, that's one thing. But no, this This is a big big thing that changed her life. And yeah, she lost it all in six months.
0: Was it like a big percentage of her money or was it a small percentage? That's oh. a huge percentage so, okay. of her money.
1: Yeah. Life-changing here. And the least bit of knowledge that she would have had about the things we talk about, right. about analyzing right. a business with these basic things. Do you Are you capable of understanding the business? Does it have a protective barrier? Do you trust the management team? And what is it worth? Right? And if she had done that analysis in the most superficial way. She would have never made that investment. Yeah. Never. She put her money into the hands of a guy who already had a track record of being fraudulent.
0: You know, I just was thinking somehow it connected somehow, but some, I was just writing about you and when you analyzed Bernie Madoff's portfolio or his like track record or something, some, some documentation that you had gotten
1: Or or failed to analyze since it wasn't well. Yeah, so I remember
0: it was a like a friend of ours who had asked you. She was thinking of making of making an investment with him, and she asked you to look at it. And I just remember you sort of saying to me like, I couldn't figure out what the guy was doing. So I told her she shouldn't invest because if you can't figure out what he's doing, you shouldn't invest with him. And I was like, Really? (laughs) <laughs> I wouldn't have thought of that. Like, OK, I would have been like, well, I can't figure out what and he's she, doing. So it must be intelligent, which, you know. And th- and that's
1: what, what people do. They think, oh, I don't know what he's doing so much. Be intelligent. And my friends are all doing it. And, she and was he part makes of this, so much money you know, for people. huge Jewish community that that was trusting this guy because he was Jewish. And she ended up losing 50 million dollars with sad. this guy. You know, eight years after she had me look at this thing, I mean, it it was so sad and so unnecessary. But that was such a huge to, to
0: just it was such a huge a lesson little. to me that that you didn't say I can't figure out what he's doing, so maybe it's fine. You said I can't figure out what he's doing, and that's a big red flag to me. And for some reason, I always like that. Is that was just it was like this little moment in our living room, and I just it stuck with me to be skeptical and be aware of, of just like, like err on the side of knowing rather than not knowing.
1: Oh yeah. You guys, we, and and so many times, all of us little guys are so super intimidated and in an, in an impressed way by people who have titles, people who've been in government, people who've run corporations. And I just want to tell you, you know, I've, I've had the good fortune to, to be able to go out and speak with on stage with a lot of these people who are super famous. I can tell you they're just people, all right? They're just like your neighbors. And the only difference is they've had a lot of success in their life for whatever reason. Sometimes they were born with, uh, you know, it's like being born on third base and think yeah. you hit a triple. <laughs> and, and it's like... They, I just keep thinking about Theranos, oh. this enormous scam that was just shut I've down. I've been reading recently, Bad Blood, which had, oh my God, it had former Secretary of State George yeah. Schultz on the board, and his own grandson was telling him, "No, grandfather, this is terrible. Are they not doing something?" And so you need to get out of there. And Schultz stopped yeah. talking to the kid. Did he you read the so book or watch the movie thing. or what? Uh, oh, just okay. News yeah. Well, there's a new it. movie out on HBO yeah. which
0: I haven't seen. But it's supposed to be good.
1: But it's a perfect example of how uh, great titles and um and a, and a and a you know like a track record from being at Stanford I mean, that's, or but whatever. That's what's interesting just, about
0: that case though is that she really had no track record. And she was well, very she had, a, she had, she but had a here's good what she line. here's what she had, and I've seen it with startups a lot. She was very personally convincing and charismatic. And that matters a lot to have a, a mm-hmm. founder who can be like the lightning rod of I'm going to change the world. And you kind of are like, yeah, this is the person who's going to really like make waves. Right. Yeah. Elon and by the way, she did. So, you know, she charisma. fulfilled that part
1: of it. And she had
0: um, <laughs> Just not what people wanted. Yeah. But then secondly, because she had that kind of charisma, she was able to attract early investors who were very big in the world of venture capital and, um, and then also these outside advisors onto her board of directors. And once she had these sort of social proofs, everybody else just followed that. And then it was follow on after follow on after follow on after follow on. That's how she did it. And it's, I mean, it's pretty easy to do if you are willing to lie like crazy and, be horribly deceptive and be a complete crazy, like narcissist personality disorder type of person. It's <laughs> it's wild.
1: Or, or you just—I don't know—that you even have to be that crazy. I think you just have to be afraid of of losing and afraid of of uh, of the downside somewhere in the process. My guess is that she had probably some scientist that told her this was all possible and she bought the story. And then she used her charisma and raised the capital and brought in the social proof in the form of this amazing board. And all along, maybe the results were looking fairly good and it would look pretty good. And then it got to a place where she could no longer, the science wasn't proving out and she could, she was just trying to buy time. I think by substituting alternate strategies that were illegal to buy a little time to let this thing come through because no doubt she had scientists telling her they were just about to break through. And then somewhere along the line, they didn't. And she couldn't stop. Yeah. She just, I don't,
0: I, I mean, the fact that she shows zero remorse is a sign of not quite being totally, uh, emotionally healthy, but But uh, but you're right. That is the progression. I'm sure that is what happened is it was just like one more step, one more buying more time, buying more time in the book, Bad Blood, which is really good, makes the point several times that um, that she was essentially copying what software founders do sort of you know, (laughs) just going for it until you make it like, like talking about something, even though it's like got a million bugs and doesn't totally work because you'll figure it out in the next three weeks before you actually ship like that kind of thing. And yet you can't do that with medical devices. You can't do that with people's um, federally protected health information. So.
1: Well, man, I'll tell you, I've I've been, I've been in a situation where, you know, like Steve Jobs, um, next computer was a f- effectively a similar kind of thing. I mean, there were there's like lots of promise about this amazing new operating system, which, by the way, is now the operating system for the Macintosh, and is in fact incredibly amazing. And um,
0: wait, and, what did you just you know, say? The next computer is every, the operating every, system for the Macintosh?
1: Yeah. When Steve came into Apple in the late '90s, when he came back. He brought that failed company's operating system with it. He, he Apple bought it. Oh, it's an incredible operating system. I, as you yeah. know, I invested a lot of money in, into software around that system because it was so incredible. And at, but just to make your point that that software is mm. full of this sort of mm. vaporware kind of, you know, let's just keep going till we make it. Right, fake it till you make it. Um, And often the product you make it with is completely different than the one you started selling to investors. Mm -hmm. And as you say, it's a lot harder to do that in the medical field. But Steve and I, Steve lit me up one day because of that. I mean, he, we had sold so many of his computers going out with this software I was invested in that one day he asked the head of sales there, Todd Rulon Miller, to to, uh, have me come in and demonstrate it to him. Yeah. Did I ever tell you that story? <laughs>
0: like many
1: times. Oh, okay. You, you know this one. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, well, it wasn't positive. I had told it. <laughs> and my Steve Jobs story. <laughs> Thanks for the many times <laughs> <help> remark. It. <laughs> oh, man. Tell it
0: again. It's a good one. Well, I'm not
1: sure we've said it okay. on the podcast. So any point, any, anyway, what, what happened was that, that Steve wanted to see this software, so I went in to demonstrate it to him. And the engineers had just built a demo for me because I didn't know how to do the Internet. And it was just stacked windows, which I didn't even know. It was stacked windows? What does that mean? And so that means that instead of um, when when you click a button and say, go find this information, instead of going to a database and actually finding it, it would bring up the next window, which showed... Oh, the, I see. So it was like the layered
0: tabs it. essentially. Got it.
1: Right, right. Something you could do really easily on the next and build that demo. And so Steve caught on really quickly in my demo that the software was producing results too quickly for a real database, and it freaked him out, all in one split second he realized in in his mind anyway that this was vaporware and now he was going to be the laughing stock having sold computers to DARPA right, to Northern States Power, to the L.A. Sheriff's Department, to all these big hitters who would then mock him for having vaporware that they could never use and they weren't going to buy his computers. And all this went through his head in a split second. And he got, he, he saw that it was just windows stacked and he got really angry and told Todd Rulon Miller to never let me back in the next headquarters again or he'd fire Todd. <laughs> 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 and then he ran away. He just took off, ran up the stairs. And, and that night, well, Todd told me just to stay in town. And then that night he called me and said, Steve, talk to the engineers at this company and everything's cool. And he'd like to see you in the morning. And I said, Yeah, probably because he wants to apologize. And Todd went, No, probably wants to put another <laughs> couple of bullets in, but come on over anyway. But, and mean, then you I knew I that you were showing him like Steve.
0: not what he wanted to see, right? So No, oh.
1: I didn't know. They just gave it to me and <laughs> said, here, dumb person, go do this and say these things. <laughs> All right. So you're like, why are you mad? That's what you, get for, that's what you get for being an investor. I'm like, I have no idea why he was so freaked. And then Todd explained it to me. And then the next day, after Steve freaked out about this not shipping, the next day he spent an hour with me walking around demanding that I, I fund the development of a different interface before this thing shipped because it wasn't pretty enough. And I was like completely perplexed and, and, arguing with him for the whole time. And finally I fell into the famous Steve jobs, uh, reality warp and, and agreed to do it. And then I had to spend two days watching Paley Wang, this amazing Chinese developer and Steve develop a whole new interface, which I was looking over for, as an investor. And then, Paley took her team and, and spent a month building it and came back with it. And it was awesome. And and Steve was just absolutely excited by it at that point. So oh, And then did it work? And then properly? it worked. Yeah. Oh, it only took a month. And the irony was next didn't work. Next yeah. failed of all yeah. things. So I don't know, Matt. It's just, See,
0: there you go. There's my certainty example. Yeah. There's no certainty. Your product can be good. You can... Know that you've made the right choices based on the information you had and it can still not work.
1: Yeah, that one scared me pretty good because I had a lot of your college money in that investment.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, know. I
1: took it. I took it out of someplace safe and put it into this because not because I thought it was so safe, it was because I hadn't learned all my lessons yet way back then and and um I was they needed more capital and I was their guy. So Yeah. Uh, That was scary. Well, you
0: know what? It all worked out, Dad. I've been to plenty of school. Yeah. We're good.
1: (laughs) You definitely have been to plenty of schools.
0: (laughs) All right. Can we talk about something else before we finish up here? And guys, by the way, I know that last time we promised to talk about wish lists and checklists, and we haven't talked about that at all. But if you've been with us for any length of time, you will know we will get to it at some point here. Maybe next episode, Dad. What do you think?
1: No. No. I think we gotta talk about <laughs> inverted yield curve. I think I think we gotta explain what's what's on the way and what you should do about it. With that's next. The world. With with the with with the potential recession, with the US economy, with the stock market, what with bonds, so, what's coming?
0: That's the world.
1: What's likely coming? And that will impact the whole world, right? In fact, the whole world's impacting us right now. They're slowing down a lot. China. All Europe, right. Yeah. N-
0: just no big deal. We'll just talk about the world. Okay,
1: so we'll, but before we'll talk we talk about, about the,
0: world. the world, we got to talk about our book for a second. Oh, yeah. So we have a paperback of our book, Invested, that just came out um, and was in stores as of last week, I believe. And uh, there's a little bit of a problem with this one, which was an error that was <clears> made in printing. If you look really closely, and I know a number of you have the book already because you've been sending me pictures of it, Buffett is spelled with one T. He spells it with two T's. Yes, he does. And, and our editors didn't catch it.
1: On the cover of the book. Yeah. And no one caught it. Nobody caught and it. And now we
0: have a collector's
1: item. That's right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So we have been pulling back, obviously, all of the books that we can get our hands on. The publisher is all over it. They are uh, mortified, of course, and are pulling it back. But we can't get it off of the shelves of bookstores once it's on the shelves. For reasons past the understanding, they will not pull them off of the shelves. So with this collector's edition of Invested, the brand new paperback with the 1T Buffett, we are throwing a treasure hunt. And you guys, we're going to make it a little bit fun. So to entice everybody to go and buy this paperback and get it off the shelves and reclaim this book so that it's properly reprinted with Mr. Buffett's name. And by the way, let me say we have emailed him directly about this because we wanted him to hear it from us before we announced it publicly. Um, I hope that he isn't insulted. He hopefully knows our great respect for him. He, we know, read at least part of our book at the end of last year because he emailed us about it very kindly and said some very nice things about it, particularly my dad's uh, (laughs) afterward about teaching his daughter, he which did. was very sweet. So we know that he's seen the book. We know that obviously the hardcover is correct. We know how to spell his name. Um, <laughs> and and we just feel horrible about this mistake. There's nothing we can do about it at this point. So we are trying to um, hopefully turn it into something good and get all the copies off the shelves that we possibly can with, um, with this little treasure hunt game. And then we're hoping that, at the end of this week, at the end of the treasure hunt, which is going to go for one week starting today until next Tuesday, we'll have some good news to announce about maybe donating the books to a good cause. Um, or we may just destroy them. We don't know. We'll see what happens.
1: I think we should just keep them. I think they're a great collector's item. Who would misspell Warren Buffett's name Yeah. of all the people in the world? Well... It wouldn't be us. And we did it. (laughs) Yeah. so
0: Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Um, And we just have so much respect for him. So, you know, mistakes happen. And we're taking this as a great lesson. So help us out. Help us out.
1: Find one of these things, if you can, in a local bookstore or Amazon. Amazon has a few of them right there. They sure do. If
0: you order it from Amazon, you will get the misprinted book.
1: You will get the misprinted book. And, um, and... Man, we've got we've got a few little incentives. For we
0: you. do. So here's what we're doing: if you go and you buy the misprinted book, it cannot be the hardcover. It cannot be the properly printed book. It has to be the bad Buffett book. And you send in a picture of the book. And your receipt to show that you actually bought it, and you didn't just buy.
1: And show and, and make it a picture of you, like you with the book, like. Well, it doesn't. It me. doesn't
0: have to be that, but we would love it if you. I, would, I like it if you yeah. would. We'll put them up on a, on, a, on on. If all you're all cool with here. us sharing your image, um, take a picture of yourself with the book. We would love it, and we're going to share it all over the place, and it's going to be hopefully really fun this week. Um, if you don't want your picture shown, that's totally fine. You can just take a picture of only the book, and we won't share it. We promise and you can upload this stuff. Wait, let me give you the details in a second. Here are the exciting parts. If you do that, you will get three months free of my brand new investing newsletter, The Invested Practice. So three months of newsletters every other week in your email box from me talking about my practice and helping you along with yours. You will also get a free 90-minute webinar, Ask Us Anything, with me and my dad. So what that means is Phil Town will answer whatever questions you guys have. I will bug him as well to answer the questions. You can ask me any questions you want. And um, and we're going to set it up so that you can send in your questions in advance if for some reason you can't make that particular time, which we will announce, um, again, at the end of the week, it'll be, it'll be soon. It'll be in the next few weeks. Um, and then the final thing that you get is if you go to my dad's workshop, you will get to meet him specially and have him make sure to sign your buffet book.
1: <laughs> I will absolutely sign your buffet book and, um, and, and we'll, uh, we'll try to get you really good seating at the workshop. And as always the workshop for all of you who are listening to the podcast is free. And all you have to do is go over to ruleoneinvesting.com and uh, and ask for a scholarship and we'll be sure you get one. Let us know you're a podcast listener and off you go.
0: Yeah. So that'd be cool. So tell them that you're one of the people who own the misprinted book and they will make sure to treat you specially. So to enter yep. and get those three fantastic prizes and join the Treasure Hunt fun, go to investedpodcast.com slash Buffett investedpodcast.com slash finding buffett and yes with two T's in the URL because t's. we are spelling his name correctly forever in everything we thought from we, now on we thought about
1: spelling it finding buffet but that just didn't seem appropriate it
0: just didn't feel right we didn't want to perpetuate no. the error <laughs> and the hashtag for this thing is finding Buffett so go online my Instagram is Danielle town my dad's is rule one investing. Go online. We're going to be posting all sorts of fun things under the hashtag #FindingBuffett. Go on Twitter, go on uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, and, and see all the people who are finding the book in various places. We're going to post some clues about where some books are. And we would just love your help and support uh, to get this book off the shelves. And, and we're
1: going to try to do this in world record time. So everything's going to happen fast. We've got a lot of lot of people who listen to this podcast who are going to be out there scrambling for the bookshelf. So I would suggest you get going on it yeah. if you want to get the free newsletter and if you want an opportunity to have the Q&A and if you want some special seating at the as a VIP at our workshop, just get to it.
0: Yeah. And by the way, I know a bunch of you are already subscribed to my newsletter, which is so awesome. And you will also be able to get the three months free. We will just, excuse me, we'll just tack it on to your existing subscription. So everybody will get the three months free if you enter our giveaway here at investedpodcast.com slash Buffett. Okay. So that's what's going on. Until next
1: time, when we tell you all about the coming... Train wreck, yeah. For your portfolio,
0: and about, <laughs> and about the finding Buffett success story, which I'm sure su- is going to happen.
1: Yes, it will, and uh, and we'll be talking to you guys real soon. I think it's time to go play. All right,
0: thanks everybody. Bye. See you guys.
1: Bye. Hi guys, thanks for listening to Invested. If you enjoyed this episode and you want more information, including show notes and more episodes visit us at investedpodcast.com. There's a special offer waiting for podcast listeners to attend my three-day investing workshop, absolutely free. So just head to investedpodcast.com. Everything discussed on this podcast is either my opinion or Danielle's opinion and is not to be taken as investing advice because I am not your investment advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. This podcast is for your entertainment and education only,
0: and I hope you enjoyed it.